Our good word today is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, beginning at verse 6. Now, we have lingered for a number of days over verse 5. I've been talking to you about how Satan tries to undermine the faith of God's people. And I trust you have learned the lesson, and now we're going to move on. Please keep in mind that the main theme of 1 Thessalonians 3 is how the church was established. In verse 2, he sent Timothy to establish them in their faith. In verse 8, for now we live if ye stand fast in the Lord. Verse 13, to the end that he may establish you. Christians have to be established. Now, when we get to chapter 4, you will discover that the key theme is walking. You don't go from being born to walking immediately. First, there has to be this establishing. A child has to learn how to stand before it can learn how to walk. Now, the reason many Christians do not walk in the will of the Lord is because no one has taught them how to stand. I suppose the greatest sin in our churches today, next to the sin of failing to win souls to Christ, is the sin of not taking care of new Christians. A new Christian is like a new baby in a home. The little baby can't take care of itself. It has life. It has all the potential for, for growth, uh, when a baby is born, everything it ever needs is built into its body. Same ears, same eyes, the same body. When that baby becomes 50 years old, it's still the same uh, basic structure, but it grew. Now, babies have to be taught how to grow, how to feed, how to dress themselves, how to cleanse themselves, and new Christians have to be taught likewise. This is the purpose of the church. The church is God's nursery for raising these babies and teaching them how to bring others into the family of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we need to do this to one another. It's our responsibility to nurture one another. It's our responsibility to help one another be established in the faith. Well, Paul had sent Timothy back to try to establish them and comfort them, and Timothy came back, verse 6, But now when Timothy came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and love, and that ye have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you, therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. For now we live if ye stand fast in the Lord." Now, Paul did three things to help establish these Christians in their faith. Number one, he wrote them a letter. This letter we're studying now, 1 Thessalonians. He wrote them a second letter, 2 Thessalonians, but he wrote them a letter. He sent them the Word of God. Now, this is the first tool for being established in your faith, the Word of God. The Word of God. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, For faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I've pointed out in previous studies that Satan likes to undermine the word of God. He said to Eve in Genesis chapter 3, Yea, hath God said. And we live in a world today, in an age today, where people don't want to bow to the authority of the word of God. Even churches today get their ideas from the hippies. They don't get their ideas from the word of God. They get their ideas from Madison Avenue. They call into their conferences uh, men who don't believe the Bible, and they listen to them. 
Now, my father was a milkman for 35 years. He delivered milk day after day. In fact, I can recall years ago before people even had refrigerators, my dad getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning during the hot summer to be able to give people their milk before it got too hot. And uh, let's suppose my dad leaves a couple of quarts of milk at the front door and he rings the doorbell and the lady comes and my dad says, Now, madam, there's the slight chance, there's just a slight chance that this milk has typhoid germs in it. We weren't quite sure about the cows, but I'm going to leave it anyway. Do you think she'd accept that milk? Of course not. She wouldn't accept it. She'd say, Well, now, uh, Mr. Wearsby, I appreciate that, but we don't want to drink any milk in this house that has any suggestion or any possibility of being poisoned or polluted. Now, I wish people had this same attitude when it comes to preaching and teaching. Churches will listen to anything. The average church member, now you forgive me if I hurt your feelings, but the average church member cannot tell whether or not a preacher is really preaching the truth of the Word of God. And consequently, uh, people accept poisoned food. Now, Paul wrote them a letter because the Word of God is what establishes us in our faith. You show me a Christian who pays attention to the Word of God, and I'll show you one who knows how to stand. Secondly, he sent them a man. He sent them Timothy. Now, we need each other. It's our responsibility to build up one another in the faith. Some time ago, I gave a series of studies in our midweek service entitled, How to Get Along with Christians. I sat down with my concordance and made a list of all of the phrases in the New Testament that had the words one another in them. I was amazed. I've listed over 20, not counting the 14 times the Bible says love one another. Love one another. But there were over 20 other cases, instances, where the Bible says we should do something to one another. For example, in John 13, 14, wash one another's feet. That's the responsibility I have to you to help keep your life clean. Some Christians make other people's feet dirty. Uh, Romans 12.10, in honor preferring one another. You don't find much of this in churches. Some businessman in a church doesn't get a job from the church. Somebody else gets it, and he gets mad and leaves. Instead of saying, I'm so thankful somebody else got this, praise the Lord, in honor preferring one another. Be of the same mind one toward another. Romans 12.16, Let us not judge one another, Romans 14, 13. Speak not evil of one another, James 4, 11. And then several times the Bible says, edify one another, build one another up, Romans 14, 19, 1 Thessalonians 5, 11. In Romans 15, 7, Paul says, receive one another. If Jesus has received somebody, you receive him, and not arguing about little matters that don't concern you. Romans 15, 14, admonish one another. That's a good one. This isn't being done much today, where a Christian will take another Christian to one side and privately say, Brother, I want to admonish you. You're, you're starting to walk in the wrong direction. Now let's pray together and try to get this thing right. Care for one another, 1 Peter 4, 10. Greet one another. Serve one another. Bear one another's burdens. Forgive one another. Submit one to another. Lie not one to another. Comfort one another, exhort one another, grudge not one against another, pray one for another. On and on I could go with these instances in the New Testament where I am told how I should get along with you and how you should get along with me. Now, he sent them a man. He said, I want Timothy to go there and to help you grow in your Christian faith. Now, we need the local church. 
there is today a philosophy among some Christians that the local church is outmoded, it's not getting its job done, it's not with it, and I'm here to tell you that the local church, though it may be weak and faltering and not all it ought to be, is getting some kind of a job done. Where have all the missionaries come from, local churches? Where have the pastors come from, local churches? Where's the money come from to support the work of the Lord, local churches? We have too many outside groups these days trying to take the place of the local church, and I want you to know they won't do it. Uh, They'll dry up from the roots if they try to take the place of the local church. Any organization that competes with the local church is not going to have the blessing of God. Now, he sent them Timothy. He said, Timothy is a Christian. Timothy is a pastor. He's one of my helpers. He's going to come and help you to grow in your faith. We need one another. And the third thing he did for them was he prayed for them. And that prayer is given in verses 9 through 13. So these are the three ways that God has of establishing us. He's given us his word. Paul wrote them a letter. He's given us one another to help each other. Paul sent them a man. And he has got somebody praying for us. Now, I hope you pray for me. And I trust we pray one for another. And I trust you pray for your pastor and your deacons and your church. And it's wonderful to know that we have the Lord Jesus Christ who's praying for us up in heaven. Now, when Timothy came back and he gave Paul good news, verse 6, he brought us good news of your faith and love. Now, this is interesting. When someone comes to tell you about his church, the church that he's a member of, what kind of good news does he have? Is there any good news from your church? Oh, you say we polished the belfry. Well, I guess that might be good news. We painted the floor. Well, that might be good news. Uh, We had a great big banquet. Well, possibly. But you know, the best good news is the spiritual good news. When people give reports about the work of the local church, it ought to be about spiritual things. And Timothy came back and he said, Paul, I've got good news for you. It wasn't good news about money, although money can be an important thing in a local church. It wasn't even good news about attendance, although attendance is something important. His good news was this. They still had strong faith, and they had strong love. Now, you show me a church where people have strong faith and strong love, and I'll show you a strong church. Don't ever separate faith from the other characteristics of the Christian life. In uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, in verse 3, he says this, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the love of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. So months later, when he wrote 2 Thessalonians, their faith and their love were still strong, and they were still growing. Now, faith and love ought to go together. You start separating faith from the rest of the Christian life, and you're going to be in trouble. Faith and love go together, always have. If a person has faith in Jesus Christ, he ought to have love toward all the saints. This is a normal thing. When a person has faith in the Word of God, he's going to obey it. And the Word of God says, love one another. So Timothy brought good news about their good remembrance of Paul. They remembered Paul. You know, do we remember the people who have helped us in our spiritual lives? You say, well, they ought to remember Paul. After all, Paul was the one who won them to Christ. Do you still remember the one who won you to Jesus Christ? As I was walking into church uh, recently, uh, one of our members stopped me on the street corner and said, you know, I had a, a communication from a friend of mine who was influential 20 years ago in leading me to Christ. 
And she said, I was just so thrilled about that. Now, here was a lady who remembered someone who had been helpful in her spiritual life. We forget one another. Uh, there may be faults in your pastor, but you know, if your pastor led you to Jesus Christ, you remember him. You be an encouragement to him. Your church may have faults. It may have weaknesses. Every church does. But please remember, the church has meant a lot to you. This is where your children were saved, perhaps. This is where you felt a call to serve the Lord. This is where people prayed when you were in the hospital. It always amazes me how church members can be critical of their churches, critical of their spiritual leaders. They forget what the church has meant to them. Sometimes servicemen come home from, from the war, come home from their stint in the service, and they're critical of their church. And yet all the while they were gone, all the while they were in Vietnam, exposed to danger, the church prayed for them. Our students go off to college. They get in with uh, maybe a worldly crowd or one of these uh, psychedelic crowds, you know, where things are all modern and they don't want the Bible. And they come home and they're very critical of the past or old-fashioned, very critical of the church, just not with it. And they've forgotten that while they were children and young people, that church nurtured them. That church prayed for them. While they were away at college, the people remembered them in prayer. Now, Christian friends, let's be like these people at Thessalonica who had faith and love and who were grateful for the people who would help them spiritually. I'm thinking of a verse over in Hebrews 13, 7. Remember them which have the rule over you who have spoken unto you the word of God. Remember them. Is there somebody today you should remember? Maybe call them up and say, thank you so much for the influence you had in my life. It'll do for them what it did for Paul. Verse 7, he was comforted and encouraged because they remembered him. The program is What's the Good Word? This is Pastor Warren Wearsby at the Calvary Baptist Church in Covington, Kentucky. Thank you so much for listening.